This episode of The Taylor Stevens Show is brought to you by listeners, readers, and patrons. If you'd like to learn how to support this podcast, please visit www.patreon.com slash taylorstevens. best-selling and award-winning author of kick-ass international thrillers and this is the taylor stevens show with my good friend steve campbell where we are kicking writing in the butt one word at a time and to let you know how taylor and i's conversation prior to recording sometimes goes she was saying i have some goat stories that we could use for for chit chat and she used the word ferrari in a sentence and then i used the word ferrari in a sentence and she said, have you seen the movie? <laughs> What's the name of the movie? Ford versus Ferrari, <laughs> which is a really it good is movie. so random. Yeah. Those and are I had not seen it. And Taylor's seen it twice. So this is, this is how random some of our conversations are. It's like, okay, this is what we're going to talk about for chit chat. And then I was trying to make a joke about Ferrari being a since we're also going to be talking about dialogue ferrari being a talking goat and then i made a mr ed joke not thinking taylor would never in a million years have even heard of mr ed i've heard of mr and ed then we, i've not seen any mr ed oh you have okay all right no okay. i've not uh, seen well, you're, just you're heard culturally you, you have missed out you should look on youtube <laughs> and find some old episodes of mr ed because you've so missed much. out yeah. But speaking of farm stories and possibly talking animals, what do you have for us? It's just a stupid. But um, if you followed along for any length of time, you know that whenever I have a goat that's about to have babies, I separate her aside so that, you know, she's not with the main flock uh, herd. And, um, you know, she gets better food and, you know, just take care of her. She's getting ready to give birth. And then it gives her a chance to be with her babies without having to worry about the other big goats harassing her. So I already had in this separate area, brown goat and white goat, and they had their babies and their babies are probably, I don't know, two and a half, three months old. They're, they're getting old and I need to find them new homes, but I just had so much going on. It's like, oh, anyway. They're still there is what I'm saying. And I was looking at Ferrari, who, if you've been following along, she is the first baby that goat baby that was born here that I had to pull her out of her mom herself because myself because she was came butt first. So I was like the first goat baby so traumatized by the whole experience. <laughs> and I freak out and worry every time a goat is about to have a baby because that is imprinted in me that you have to be there. They're going to die, um, which has never happened since. But anyway, Ferrari's all grown up. Then we have the Ferrari story where whose baby is this? <laughs> like she just had this baby that just dropped out of her. And that was like, okay, uh, trying to get mom and baby to bond. And there was a whole story for that. So now Ferrari is pregnant again, and she's starting to look pretty big. And I don't know, like, I, I'm just not out there far enough, often enough to keep track of when, who gets knocked up when. Just, no. And so I just kind of gauge it by how big is this goat. And I'm like, okay, she's looking pretty big, so let's just move her over with brown goat and white goat. 
And so she's in there now. She's been in there for a few weeks. Still no babies. I could walk out there right after doing this recording session and find out that she's had a baby or two, maybe even three. Who knows? It's always a mystery. But anyway, the thing with goats and food, as I have discovered, is they never want the food they are eating. They're all eating the same thing. And I've learned to give them all, you know, their own feeding ear, feeding bowls or whatever. And they don't get a lot um, because it's expensive and grass is free. But since we're coming through winter, they're, you know, if it gets really, really, really cold, I'll supplement for all the goats out in the pasture, just give them a little extra calories to, to ward off the cold. But the, the mama babies, the mamas and the babies, they get their food separate. So I have to, you know, now I've got three goats in there that I have to feed. And so goats are, they have a hierarchy of who is more important than who. And you would think that if goat A is more important and the boss of goat B and also the boss of goat C, that there would be an order to things where one goat is like the head goat, but it's not like that. So these three, white goat, brown goat, and Ferrari are like rock, paper, scissors, where each one is more dominant over some, but not all, but there's no one head goat. So when it comes feeding time, and I've got the three bowls that are out there, nobody wants their food. They want the food of the goat that's beneath them because they should be eating that food, not the goat that's beneath them. So white goat is dominant over Ferrari, and Ferrari is dominant over brown goat, and brown goat is dominant over white goat. And so feeding time becomes this circle of eating. Oh no, the goat that's beneath me is eating food and I want it. Run over there, chase them off. That goat goes, oh, where can I eat now? Oh, there's the goat that I'm dominant over, so I'm gonna go eat their food. And that goat runs over to the other bowl and it just keeps going. And I'm like, this is insane, you guys. If you just all stay in your, your place, you'd have much more satisfying eating experience. But no, they spend feeding time running around from bowl to bowl, chasing off whoever is beneath them, rock, paper, scissors. And it's just like, okay. And that's a stupid story, but it makes me laugh. And now you can hear it too. <laughs> So do the other goats just not have names? Were you um, calling so, them white goat and brown goat to protect their identities? No, it's just that, and I've talked about this before on the show, is that when we got, I got those three at the same time, one's brown, one's white, and one's black. And I, I never gave them names because they, they were, <laughs> I don't know, I just never gave them names. And the, I've tried. But like I tried calling the white goat and the brown goat, well, the other way around, brown goat and white goat, cinnamon and spice, but it doesn't stick. And, and so I just, you know, brown goat, white goat, black goat, those are just their names. Uh, but the ones that are born, they get their names. <laughs> so okay. All right. it's just kind of how it works. So there is kind of a science to this. Uh, I guess. I don't know. 
All right. So I wanted to talk a little bit today about dialogue. And these are, this is not like a big tutorial thing or anything. These are just thoughts, a couple of thoughts that I've had on dialogue recently from watching shows. Um, and sometimes I'll, I'll see the way it's written, or the dialogue is written in, in a show and just be really impressed. And that's often because dialogue in TV and movies is really often not great because on film you have to the only way you can't you can't get inside the character's head so the only way to show the audience something or inform the audience of something is to either actually show it being played out or have the characters talk to each other and so on film or TV or whatever you get a lot more of this informing the audience through dialogue where one character says something to another character it's so obvious the only reason they're saying it is for you <laughs> yeah and it makes me crazy because you just don't do that in in novels it's it's like ruler slapping your knuckles bad level writing but sometimes there's no other way to get around it for for you know the visual version of storytelling so it is what it is and i'm not but when I do see dialogue that's impressive, it stands out to me because I know how hard the writers had to work to be able to do it that way. Because it's just a lot harder, I think, when you're writing for, for the screen. But anyway, there was this um, this show that I started watching. It's uh, I think it's based on one of J.K. Rowling's um, series, Cormoran uh, Strike or something like that. And it's a, oh, it's a I love that series. Sort of a a, dec a detective series, but it's at least the film version of or the TV version of it. It's it's real slow moving, but in a love almost a, a lovely sort of way. In that it's not rushing, it's not rushed. It takes its time with the characters and and the the stories of what's going on in people's lives and and how they you know the clues that come together and whatever it's just it's pleasant i it's enjoyable for me the the crime scenes not so much i will just look away and not pay attention but just how everything comes together and like i've only seen one season but in that first season there's more than one mystery more than one crime that's solved so it doesn't drag that out either but what i i think i appreciated most or I, I still appreciate most about the way these characters are written and the dialogue between them is that they, they are flawed characters. They've got issues going on in their lives, but they themselves are emotionally mature. So there was a scene, a couple scenes really, where there was the potential for conflict. And as we know, conflict is what drives the story, but these, this is potential for conflict between the two main characters of the story and the, the writers did something that is just so refreshingly rare, I find, in, in what I watch. And that is the characters were honest with each other and said, this is bothering me that you did X, Y, Z. And the other character is like, okay, well, I get where you're coming from. Here's why I made that decision. And you know, it's brutal, but, you know, I'm not going to do X, Y, Z if, you know, the circumstances are as they are. And 
it was refreshing because they told each other the truth and not in a hurtful way, not in a, a, a conflict driven way, just we are two emotionally healthy individuals who work together and we are being honest with each other. And I'm like, oh my God, thank you. Because so often in storytelling, the characters deliberately hide their true feelings. And it's almost like a way to drive the suspense or drive conflict so that the the audience knows where each of those two are coming from, but the characters themselves don't. And, and it creates misunderstandings. It creates, you know, well, in romance comedies, for example, you know, you see it all the time where because the characters aren't willing to express their vulnerability or whatever, then there's huge misunderstandings and it causes them to break up. And then the whole story is about how they get back together. And I'm just so over it already because that's just not how emotionally mature people interact. So basically, when you use this lack of honesty or withholding information from another character because you don't want to make yourself vulnerable or whatever, yes, it drives the conflict, but it's a very shallow sort of conflict. And it's like, in my mind, it's the equivalent, the emotional equivalent of when you get these plot lines where the whole story could have been averted if someone had just picked up a phone and made a call. And it's like this whole thing could have been averted if you'd just been honest from the beginning. And the reasons for the characters when they don't tell each other the truth or whatever, I mean, it's not like it's uh, unreasonable or, you know, a false construct or anything like that. It's, it's part of the storyline. But when characters like real people are emotionally mature, that's not how you react. That's not how healthy, emotionally healthy people behave. So people are, who are emotionally healthy, they're still going to have the same inner struggles, the hesitancies, the reasons to want to hide their insecurities and their invulnerabilities and all of that. But they're grown-ups. They're mature enough to understand the importance of honest communication. And the same holds true for characters. So this, this idea where you use sort of this lack of honesty, this lack of forthrightness to drive that conflict, it does result in conflict. It, it, the whole story sort of resolves around that. But then it means the whole story is being driven by emotionally immature characters. And when you have a story that's driven by emotionally immature characters, it's going to lack depth because that is lack of depth. Those are not deep, well-evolved people. And so because the story is being driven by misunderstandings that arise from not being willing to be honest, then you have a shallow story. So if you want to give your story depth, make your characters honest, make them emotionally aware. And I think, you know, I'm sorry, I always keep coming back to my own characters when it comes to stuff like this, but like Vanessa Michael Monroe is horrifically flawed. She is not what anyone would consider a well-adjusted individual, but she's a very honest individual and she doesn't play those kinds of games. And she says what she thinks and is, you know, means what she says. 
And so these stories are not full of drama being driven by misunderstandings or hurt feelings or, you know, unwillingness to be vulnerable or whatever it is. And I guess that's because I don't like I don't like stories like that. They they feel very shallow to me. And so then I'm not going to write. I'm I'm not going to write what I don't want to read, right? So I I just got to thinking about that simply because I could see in this show as I'm watching it the conflict about to evolve. And I could almost feel myself going, "Oh god, not again." And then instead of going that direction, they went the exact opposite direction where the characters have just a short little honest conversation with them and it sets everything right between the characters and the story can move on and focus on what the story is really about. And I was like, yes, thank you. And I realized how rare that is, like how unusual it is to have such clear communication and mature interaction between characters on the screen. And I loved it. And I wish there was more of that. And so that's why I'm telling you about it, because maybe you'll put that in your books and then there will be more of it out in the world and everything will be better. So that was thought number one. (laughs) Thought number two is much smaller, just a, a, a really quick one. I don't really have a lot on it, but it has to do with, I guess it, and I, a way to skip filler dialogue. And that is by answering the unasked question. So I'm trying to think of an example of, you know, something, how something like this might come into play. Let's say you've got two characters, they're in a car and they have to get somewhere really fast. And then they um, are forced to take a detour or something. And the one character says to the other, do you know where you're going? Right. So in reality, the answer is no. Or do you know how to get where you need to get? Something along those lines, right? So the answer is, well, no, because we're off on a detour. And for the sake of this analogy or example, we're not looking at GPS or whatever, right? So the answer truly is no. The Another answer would be, um, well, I'm pretty sure I know how to figure it out. And all of that forces additional dialogue where you have to have this exchange that eventually leads to the point. And that is how conversation generally tends to go in real life because we, we, you know, do you know where you're going? Well, I'm sure I can figure it out. Yeah, but what about blah, 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 blah. Um, and, it, and it just kind of goes on. But the punchline is I used to live over in that area. I'm familiar with those streets. I know how to get there from there. We can get to where we need to go, right? That's that's what's going on inside the character's head who's doing the driving. We can skip all of the back and forth by answering the unasked. So the character didn't ask, did you used to live in this area? Do you know how to get here? But if you answer that, you get to skip it all. And so when, do you know where you're going? You can just say, I used to live in that area over there. I I know how to get to there. And from there we can get for whatever done story keeps on going. Your readers have all the uh, 
answers to how did he know where he was going, you know, so whatever, it's explained, it's done, it's out of the way. And you've, you've spared yourself the work of trying to figure out how to turn the conversation in the direction to get whatever it was you're trying to get onto the page to make the explanation. And you do that by answering the unasked. The question is the setup. You skip all the in between and you just have the character explain exactly what the audience needs to know. Done. Over with. I had a third one, but I didn't write it down and now it escaped me. So <laughs> it might I like come that. to mind. So you a had bit. a first thought, a second thought, and a lost thought. Uh, exactly what happened. Yes, I had a lost thought. And <laughs> I'm really frustrated because it was a good one too. And I thought of it right as I was in the middle of answering that question, you know, explaining that. And I was like, oh, I'll get to that next. And then bloop, gone. <laughs> so. Well, let me let me make a comment on your thought number one. And while I'm okay. doing that, your third thought will no doubt come back to you. <laughs> I was thinking of this series of books that I've been reading. They're short mysteries, probably like 30,000, 40,000 words. Um, and I enjoy them. They're they're very light. They're I guess I guess they would be classified as cozy mysteries. Um, but there is this romance where one character caused the other character's husband to go to jail. I mean, he he was a police officer. He arrested or had the other was involved in the arrest of the other character's husband, and he died in jail. So this is much Oof. later in life. They find that they're kind of attracted to each other, but they can never be together because this thing happened, and they mm -hmm. each they each know it. But they've never talked about it. So it was in the fourth book when they actually talked about it, and I'm like, oh, thank goodness. Right? Now we can get on with whatever it is. I have no idea what it is, but they kept using it as cheap tension. And at, at they, the the author was using it as as a way of creating tension in a book that where there there wasn't a lot of tension, just kind of the nature of the nature of the book. So this was kind of a light tension. But it really started to get annoying by the third yeah. book. And then in the fourth book, they actually talked about it. And uh, I'm actually looking, I think the fifth book is already out, and I want to just go grab it and see if they're, if they're actually going to move forward now. Or at least they can have these conversations, because <laughs> it was driving me crazy. So yeah, well, I I'm really appreciate I'm your, your one. thought one. <laughs> Whew. I remember what thought three was, though. It worked. It did work. <laughs> so uh, thought three is what I call the naysayer. Nay, nay to the naysayer. Um, it, it, I think it shows up more often on, on screen than it does in books. But it makes me crazy every time it happens on screen because it's another cheap shot at being able to explain things to the audience. And I... I I mean, okay, I have not done screenwriting. Maybe there is no better way to do it than this. But what will happen is character A will come up with some plan for how to achieve whatever goal. And there's always going to be somebody who says, no, that'll never work. And sometimes the somebody comes up with 
reasons why it'll never work, but they're usually pretty sloppy reasons. And it's basically just lining up for the main character to be able to explain what they're all about, what's going on. And I mean, I can understand like the alternative is somebody saying, you know, well, how is that going to work? Which is even worse <laughs> because it's like, tell us, tell the audience. But there, I'm just like, there's got to be another way. Like when character one says, you know, hey, this is our plan. Instead of the naysayer going, oh, that'll never work. That's going to, you know, bomb because whatever. Does somebody say, okay, but what about this? And if we did this instead, and you could actually have an exchange between characters of working together uh, to achieve a goal instead of one person being the engine and the other person being nothing but obstruction and breaks. And you see this over and over and over again, this obstruction, this obstruction. No, that's not going to work. Negativity, negativity. I'm like, your life is on the line. You need to have a solution to get out of here. And all you're going to do is throw reasons of why it's not going to work. That's not how it happened. Like, if 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 I if my life was on the line and I was coming up with plans and there was somebody who all they did was crap all over my plans without offering anything productive, they would be the first person cut off that team and left behind because I do not need that kind of dead weight. So that says a lot about who I am as a character. <laughs> but <laughs> it also says a lot about who you are as an author and how you are not going to survive in a difficult situation because apparently you don't have a problem with dead weight. <laughs> anyway, that's my point. That's all I got on that one. <laughs> And that was thought number three. That was thought number three, <laughs> so yes. When, when, she, when it did come back into her head, it came back with a vengeance <laughs> that, we all, that we all got to hear. And I certainly don't want to question that thought <laughs> in any way, shape, or form because I don't want to be cast aside. So I'm just going to say thank you guys for listening. It's been a fun show, and we will be back with you again next week. Thanks for being here, guys. Looking forward to being with you next week. <laughs>